This message by Zach Varnell was recorded during a Sunday celebration service for Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Zach serves as a pastor on staff at Cornerstone Church. Isaiah chapter 9, we're going to begin in verse 2. And this is God's word to us this morning. Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of His government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over His kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. And you know, he came because he promised so long ago that in his zeal, he'd do it. He'd get it done. That matters for us today. God is still a zealous God zealous for our salvation, zealous for his good work in our lives. And that means no matter what darkness we face, no matter what trouble you are in, no matter how hopeless or difficult or challenging things might be, God is not passive. He is not aloof. He is always He's always done this. He always will do this. He is always zealously bringing about his good purposes for his people. Oh, he's trustworthy, isn't he? He's a faithful God. That's what Christmas shows us. That's what we're celebrating today. Main point from this text this morning, the zeal of the Lord is our hope in the darkness. The zeal of the Lord, it's our hope in the darkness. It always has been for the people of God. And it always will be. Last week, my wife Sarah and I got to go see um, a Christmas carol at Clarence Brown Theater on UT's campus. We've done this a couple of times. We we enjoy this. And it opens like this. And no, I do not have an English accent. But it opens this way. Marley was dead to begin with. There is no doubt whatever about that. Old Marley was as dead as a doornail. 
And then he says, this must be distinctly understood or nothing wonderful can come of the story I am going to relate. It's a clear point they make at the very outset of this play. The transformation of Scrooge from an old miser to this cheerful, benevolent uncle. It's, it's not truly wonderful unless you start with the facts. Marley was dead. Marley, his old business partner. Scrooge was an angry, harsh man. But Marley appeared to Scrooge and warned him of what his life was heading to. And you know the story. Scrooge has changed. He's a happy man. And it's meant to be wonderful. At the end of the play, you know, the Scrooge, the character playing Scrooge, he's been laughing like an, a hysterical person. And everyone's laughing and clapping and cheering. They're standing up, applauding, and snow's falling out of the ceiling and getting over everyone. And it's fun. But I did feel in that moment, man, this is great. But <laughs> there, there is a far superior joy that this whole thing is pointing to. And I just so hoped that the people in that building knew that. And I'm so grateful we get to talk about it this morning. Because in Christ, there is a greater, deeper, truer transformation and joy that lasts forever and ever. Amen. And it's all the work of God. The zeal of the Lord is our hope in the darkness. This is what Isaiah teaches us. Point one, God's deliverance brings joy. Look at verse two again. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. Isaiah Isaiah's writing during a dark time for God's people. The exile's coming. This must be distinctly understood, or else nothing wonderful. You won't understand what's wonderful about what's going on here. God has pronounced judgment, a coming judgment on his people. His people are full of rebellion. They, they treat the Lord like he's just another God of the nations, a pagan God. They have abandoned his ways. And, and rejected him over and over again. Even though God's been merciful and patient, and time and again God has called for them to repent and to come to him, but they don't do it. They continue to reject. And so, because of their continued sin, his judgment is coming. That's the darkness they face. Their enemies will conquer them and remove them from the promised land. And as king, the king, the human king, King Ahaz, hears of this, and as the people hear of it, their hearts shake. They are afraid, but they still don't trust in the Lord. They don't flee to God. They've abandoned him. But God is not done with them. The king of Judah might be scared and discouraging his people. The king of kings reigns eternally. His work is not through. He will save a people for himself, and he does it in the way he sees best. See, this is the message of, of these verses. God's grace overrules man's failure. 
Their unbelief did not thwart or frustrate God's purposes. Isn't that wonderful? Chapter 8 ends with, they will be thrust into thick darkness. But these verses in chapter 9 are a proclamation of hope. Even in the midst of man's rebellion, unbelief, darkness, God's going to keep a people for himself. God's going to preserve a remnant. Judgment is not the end, and that's reason for joy. That's the light in the darkness, and it's not just some general sense of happiness. It's fullness of joy. That's what the text is getting after. Think of the greatest moments of joy in your life. That's the idea of verse 3, joy that comes in the harvest, joy that comes at the spoils after the war is over, a victory is won. And it's God who brings this joy. God is the you of verse 3. Reminds us of what Jesus came and told his disciples. You remember John 15, all these things, I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. That's what he's after. So what has he done to bring joy? That's verse 4. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. Our God is our liberator. When he references Midian in the book of Judges, there's a story of a man named Gideon who the Lord calls to deliver his people from under the the rule of Midian and the suppression of Midian. And the Midianites made a great army, a vast army, like the sand on the sea. Thousands and thousands of soldiers came to fight against Gideon. So Gideon calls his own army, and 32,000 soldiers show up to fight. But the Lord comes to Gideon and says, look, I'm going to deliver you, but this is too many soldiers. Because if you have all these guys and you win the war, you're going to think you did it. So he says, let's do this. Let's whittle it down a little bit. We'll release all of them that are afraid. So 22,000 of the 32,000 go home, which I always find uh, encouraging. Most of them were afraid. But there are 10,000 left, and God says, yeah, that's still too many. So he eliminates more based on how they decide to drink water. You can go read about it. Brings down the number to 300 men. And with those 300 men, he sends them to the, to the enemy camp. And all they did was blow some trumpets and break some jars. And God defeats the army. God turns each man's sword against another. And they flee. Here's the point. The point of verse 4. God's salvation is like this. He fights for us. He liberates us from sin and from darkness. He delivers us when we can't deliver ourselves. That's the news. Isn't the Bible full of this? Think of the Exodus. God bringing his people out from Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Think of Daniel and the lion's den or his friends in the fiery furnace, Noah and the flood. It's God who delivers. The Lord does it. True liberation comes not from inside ourselves, but from beyond ourselves. Oh, that's good news. Isn't that reason for joy? When you think it's up, when I think it's up to me to deliver myself, I am an anxious mess. 
But when we know that it's the Lord, it's up to the Lord, it frees us to trust him. And in fact, when we are aware of who God is, it redefines every scenario we face, doesn't it? The reason God's people, this faithful remnant who are still in the darkness, the darkness of the reality around them of unbelief and God's coming judgment, the reason they have joy is because they've seen light. Their perspective has changed. And that hope sustains them. Isn't that something of the point of these Christmas stories? Like the Christmas carol or It's a Wonderful Life? These guys, they become conscious of a greater reality than the scenarios right in front of them. It informs them of what's truly important, what's actually urgent. It helps them understand what they really ought to fear. To quote George Bailey, after he's so grateful to be alive, he says, isn't it wonderful? I'm going to jail. (laughs) Or when he returns home and his kids are there, look at this wonderful old drafty house. If George Bailey or Ebenezer Scrooge became happy men, how much more should we be in light of who God is and the darkness he's brought us out of? We should be ecstatic. May the Lord help us to be. It doesn't mean we don't have fears or problems. No. It just means we don't overlook God who's at work in the midst of them. One pastor said, if God is God, he is all that finally matters. God's deliverance brings joy. And one more thing from these verses, deep darkness, the word there, deep darkness in verse 2, it's the same word used in Psalm 23 describing the valley of the shadow of death. The point is the, the, the promise of light shining in the darkness is God's promise of his saving presence among his people. Look, it's not not just a promise of information. It's a promise of God's presence with us. That's reason for joy. God's deliverance brings joy. And secondly, God's deliverance challenges our expectations. See, God has promised light to come. He's promised joy and and victory and defeat of his enemies. He's promised to preserve this faithful remnant. He's promised to remove the burden of his people. He's promised to take away oppression, to end the war. How's he going to do it? Who's he going to send? Will it be a sword-wielding king of righteousness to smite all the enemies of God? Maybe it's going to be the mighty gathering of all of God's angels that are just sitting at the ready to do God's will. Warriors. Or or maybe he's just going to increase the the rule and authority of his people. The kingdom might grow to what it was in Solomon's day. The people's hopes and expectations, surely, even as they heard Isaiah speak, were growing. What are you going to do, Lord? Verse 5 describes the end of the war. The boots, the bloody battle garments, they're burned because they're just not needed. How? (laughs) Verse 6. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. Don't fear. I have a great victory I am accomplishing for you. I will do a great work among you. Get ready. I'm sending a baby. What? 
Now, for us familiar with the Christmas story, when we read that, we think, yes, because <laughs> we know them. But think about the original hearers. What about those who lived in the darkness? You know, if we wanted to send a message of comfort to those who are in serious trouble, think like uh, soldiers surrounded and abandoned, surrounded by enemies. If we wanted to send a message of comfort, I don't think we'd say, it's okay, we've got this baby. We're going to send them in. Why does the Lord do it this way? Isaiah tells us later, Isaiah 42, he says, I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other. What, what Israel's problem was in Isaiah's day is that they trusted in man. Their thoughts of man were too large. And their thoughts of God too small. And so God just flips their expectations on end. He shows his incredible might, not through human strength, <laughs> but through human weakness. There is nothing more vulnerable. There is nothing more weak. There's nothing more helpless in our human experience than an infant. I think what I marvel at most at Christmas time. What regularly just brings me to awe is to think about how incredible Christ's condescension was. I mean, the word, these incredible realities, the word of God had to learn how to speak. Or, or the one who upholds the universe by the word of his power, he, he had to be held and helped and carried. The one who created all things for his glory, had to be fed <laughs> and cleaned up. The righteous, pure, holy God of heaven was born in a world of sin and darkness. But he came as the light and the life of men. And he came as the power of God to deliver. One of the main points of the book of Isaiah is that the true king he doesn't act in the way we think. He doesn't act in the way we expect. He sends a baby. He sends a suffering servant. He sends a root of the stump of Jesse. He gives light in the darkness and life in the barrenness in his zeal is what gets it done. Ray Ortland commentating on this verse says, God's answer to everything that has ever terrorized us is a child. The power of God is so far superior to the Assyrians and all the big shots of this world that he can defeat them by coming as a mere child. His answer to the bullies swaggering through history is not to become an even bigger bully. His answer is Jesus. Wonderful counselor. They probably wanted a warrior king. <laughs> he sent them a counselor. Because the true king is wise. He has the best ideas. His wisdom is what rules the kingdom. He's trustworthy. He is mighty God. The title reserved for the Lord alone. 
He defeats his enemies with ease. He's the everlasting father. It means he's a good, benevolent king. He knows his children. He takes care of them. He's the prince of peace. He ends the war. While we were enemies of God, he ends the war. All these things is what he brings. And then verse 7, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. What a contrast to the human king in Isaiah's day. It's just a picture of eternal future, the eternal future we have in God's kingdom through this king. Alec Mortier, another uh, commoner, he says, in his coming, Christ's coming, all that results from his coming is at once secured. It's what Jesus brought when he was born on the earth. He established a kingdom, one that will never end. And you know what this means? <clears throat> if we're a part of this kingdom through faith in him, because it's never going to end, then every new moment with him will be better than the last from this time forth and forevermore. That's what Christ came to bring. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do it. So what darkness do you face? What barrenness are you aware of in your own life? What feels like an ever-present reality you just can't shake? Where right now are you feeling totally weak? You just, I got nothing, I got nothing left. I've got nothing to offer. What, what valleys of deep darkness are you walking in? These are the places the Lord loves to manifest himself. This is where the Lord loves to show up and give strength to him who has no might that we might know salvation belongs to the Lord and to the Lord alone. Your hope, your hope in the darkness, in the difficulty, in the trouble is the zeal of the Lord. He's not done. He will never not accomplish his purpose. Listen, sometimes though, he, he works in ways we just don't expect. <laughs> Doesn't he? He does things we don't expect, but he's always good. The cross was the darkest moment in history. The earth experienced literal darkness as the sun was blocked for a time. As Jesus hung from the cross, dying <clears throat> for the sins of those who belong to his kingdom. But in that darkest of moments, God was doing the greatest of works. Salvation, liberation from sin, ending the war between us and him. That's what the child, this child came to bring. And because of his cross, Jesus was able to say in John 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. Did you notice that 
this text in Isaiah 9 is written in past tense, even though it's about the future. (laughs) The future is written as something that's already happened. Because our hope is sure. The zeal of the Lord of hosts. God's passion, his eager, zealous passion is driving all of history to the final triumphs of his grace. He's not unmoved. He's passionate. And he's at work even in the darkest areas, darkest places of your life. You can trust him. John 1 In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That's good news for us. There's hope in the darkness. It's not the final word. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do it. Let's pray. Father, we ask you, to give us a greater awareness of your presence with us. Give us a greater awareness that you are with us, and not only with us, but you are at work in us. You are revealing more of yourself to us that we might trust you and hope in you in greater and greater ways. Thank you that because of your salvation, there is always hope in the darkness Lord, give us grace to trust you no matter what situation we face. Show yourself to be wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Lord, we trust your zeal and your power. We also trust your fatherly care, your provision, your nearness, all because of and through the one you sent. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Thanks for our Savior. Thanks for this day where we get to remember all we have in him. Help us to trust you. Help us to submit our lives to you. Help us to find greatest joy in your salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to a message given by Zach Varnell during a Sunday celebration service at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. To find out more about Cornerstone Church of Knoxville, visit us at www.cornerstonechurchofknoxville.com or call our church office at 865-694-4356. We'd love to have you join us in our mission to treasure, grow in, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ.